great. You're stunning. You're forgiven. <laughs>
I don't know, it's San Francisco? I don't know. Oh, yeah. Is Damn it? it, I was hoping I'd catch you <laughs> up on one. I was hoping you were going to miss one. Number seven, what is the name of the piano theme in the film? Now, this is just an extra little bit of knowledge. I know you'll know it. Mm, yeah, you played it at your wedding as well. I heard I it at your wedding reception. It. I did play it at my <laughs> wedding. Uh, it's called He Sleeps. Oh, well done. Yeah. <laughs> Number eight, what fork is on the outside? Oh, for God's sake. Hang on a minute. Okay, he's counting the tiles. Dinner fork. Salad fork. On the outside. On the outside. Then the furthest out, do you mean? Yes. I think that's the last one he picks up. Uh, stab in the dark. I think it might be the shrimp fork. <laughs> God's sake. Yes, it is. Am I right? I think, I yes, think it goes dinner, right. salad, shrimp. Yes. <laughs> Number nine. What is the name of the girlfriend Edward breaks up with over the phone? Jessica. Yes, well done. <laughs> and number 10, what size are Vivian's feet? Oh, God. Uh, yeah, because she can use the pedals. Um, my instinct is to say she's a size 4. Are you going with that one? Is that your answer? Yeah. That is incorrect. No! Yes. So glad I got you on one. No, <laughs> it's it not. She's a, no, she's a 9. She oh. Most people, <laughs> most women can drive it, but she's got a size 9. Oh, you see. Um, yeah. That one, it's just not get one. <laughs> I, didn't, <laughs> one I didn't want you to get all It could have been a perfect sweep. Yes, could it could have been, been but, but I'm, I'm, I'm kind of glad you didn't because it'll make me feel a little bit better when I don't get all ten in, in my quiz later. One question that I was positive that you would ask when they're stood on Hollywood Boulevard and she names the, the actresses and the, and the musicians. I was the... considering it, but yeah. I, I decided not to. They work Bob Hope. They work the Ritz Brothers. They work Fred Astaire all the way down to Ella Fitzgerald. <laughs> I know that now. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> so. Well, I would have had no hope of that anyway then because no. you would have got, the, <laughs> got them all right anyway. I did guess a few in there. Oh, well. <laughs> right. Okay. Well, this is interesting, really, because I've never had to break down Pretty Woman before and I've never had to dissect anything. So it's a very different viewing experience for me this week. Mm-hmm. I'd start, I'd start by just looking at the characters. Obviously, we want to look at Julia Roberts in particular, so I'll start with her. Uh, you get the sense right from the beginning that she doesn't really belong in the circumstances that she's in. Mm-hmm. Like her occupation as a prostitute and her living conditions, like this trashy rented apartment, just doesn't seem to suit her because as a person, she's very sensible. She's got strong morals. And you can tell that, you know, she carries around a boot full of condoms. <laughs> she reprimands her roommate Kit for stealing their rent money and things like that. So you, you get the sense that, you know, she doesn't really belong here. And this is where that archetype of the prostitute with a heart of gold comes into it. In fact, you can compare her a lot to her roommate Kit. She's content relying on free snacks from a bar as a meal. Mm-hmm. Um they have different reactions to when a girl's actually pulled out of a dumpster early on in the film. She's like, oh, yeah, skinny Marie. Well, she was a crackhead. <laughs> They're completely different types of people, aren't they? Yeah, Just... yeah, despite being in the same circumstances. Yeah. Even Vivia says to her, she's not happy settling for less. She says, don't you want to get out of here? Yeah. And Kit's just made peace with it. She says, well, where do you want to go? Leave all this. Not in a million. So we learn a lot later on how Vivian gets into this situation. She's very much a victim of circumstance because she's followed a boyfriend to Hollywood because mm-hmm. um, she's a bit of a bum magnet. And <laughs> she just finds herself alone there. She's worked fast food places. She's parked cars at wrestling. But she couldn't make the rent. And she was too ashamed to go home. So when she met Kit, she made prostitution sound so great and they can make $100 an hour. 
she just did it and the line that really gets me is when she says one day I did it and I cried the whole time Mm. but then I got some regulars da 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 and that's just how it's happened but you get that sense that she's not 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 in the right place yeah she's worthy of of better things um and then we've got Edward uh, played by Richard Gere one of his only likable parts I I find it (laughs) very hard to uh, Mm. warm to Richard Gere I don't know why I think Julia Roberts brings out the best in him. Yeah. But yeah, we're introduced to him at this lavish Hollywood party. Like, it couldn't be any further from (laughs) the streets that Vivian's on. Sorry, her name's Vivian. Um, So he's a high-powered businessman. He's got a lot of acquaintances. However, he's in another room. He's on the phone arguing with his girlfriend, who's called Jessica, (laughs) um, who breaks (laughs) up with him because his work always gets in the way. And she feels like she spends more time talking to his secretary than to him. Probably fair. <laughs> yeah, well, this he comes downstairs and speaks to another ex. <laughs> He's got a lot of exes, apparently. Um, and he says, when we were dating, <laughs> did you speak to your secretary more than me? And she says, she was one of my bridesmaids. <laughs> So, However, he's very polite to her. They do seem on friendly terms, which absolutely, is yeah. not usual, I suppose you would say, with exes. Yeah, so he's not necessarily the typical movie archetype of a rich, powerful businessman at yeah. all, really. No. Um, other things that he does, he's a meticulous planner. He doesn't drink. He doesn't do drugs. Instead, he sarcastically says, I'm high on life, can't you tell? Mm-hmm. Um, he doesn't even like heights, although he conforms to the high life of renting penthouses because they're the best, i.e. he can afford it. Mm-hmm. Um, and crucially, I think, unlike a lot of sleazy businessman types, he doesn't pay Vivian because he wants to sleep with her. He pays because he likes her company. Yeah. And the plot then, basically, is their fates converge one night on Hollywood Boulevard when Edward stops to ask for directions. She directs him to the hotel where he invites her to spend the night and the next morning he hires her as his employee to be at his beck and call to attend social events for the week whilst he negotiates an important business deal and he's going to pay $3,000 before he travels back to New York. I have an issue with this. (laughs) And I (laughs) always have had an issue with this. When she's with a person, it's a hundred dollars and for an hour. Yeah, yeah. And then she stays with him all night for three hundred. That doesn't yeah. work out. That the math yeah, is wrong. Yeah, should have haggled. Yeah, he can definitely afford it. <laughs> and then three thousand for the week, which yes, let's mm. face it, is a lot of money to earn in one week. Absolutely. But- on principle, with what she says she's supposed to be earning, <laughs> yeah, yeah. 3000 is nowhere near what she should be I, th- I think there's an element there of that he doesn't really want to feel like he's paying her. He wants her to feel like she's there because she wants to be. Well, it's a good job they get on anyway, because it doesn't yeah. seem to be a problem for them. <laughs> so, like I said earlier, although completely different people, they have obvious differences in wealth and lifestyle. They have common ground, really, because they both don't fit the stereotype. Mm -hmm. Um, I I love the line where he says to her, you and I are such similar creatures. We both screw people for money. Horrible line, though. I think that should have been on the poster. (laughs) Mm. Um, They also um, vow never to mix business with pleasure, which is why Edward doesn't have any emotional involvement with his clients or business rivals. And Vivian says no kissing, it's too personal. And they've both been unlucky in relationships. So they have lots of things that make them suddenly not so different at all. Mm -hmm. But obviously we follow them over the course of the week and they fall in love. And then they sort of learn something from each other as well. You know, Edward learns from Vivian that there's more to life than work and making money. He becomes emotional through knowing her, I think. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And you see it pay off, actually. Like the way he originally treats the hotel manager, he just dismisses him. He doesn't really want to know his name. He's not bothered. Mm -hmm. Um, But by the end of the film, he's addressing him by name and having a conversation. 
And then obviously the big business deal that he's doing as well, he chooses mm-hmm. to work with them rather than just do what he usually does, which is buy the company, break it off, sell it. But not only that, it's doing something that makes him happy. Yeah, yeah. Even things like taking days off, Vivian encourages him to do <laughs> things like that because that's all he's ever done. Mm-hmm. He's worked and it's made him lonely, I think. And on the other hand, Vivian learns from Edward that basically she has got more potential and she can go out and, and do something a bit more with her life because she has value. Mm-hmm. So that's everything I wanted to talk about in terms of characters and plot. But the thing I really want to talk about is the chemistry. And this is where we can talk about Julia Roberts as an actress mm-hmm. and as a person. So when Pretty Woman was originally conceived, it was actually a very different film. It was called $3,000 and it was a gritty drug drama. Um, mm-hmm. Julia Roberts was cast in that film but that was all sort of cancelled. It all got scrapped. So this was before Disney bought it. And Julia Roberts auditioned again once Disney had bought it and had rejigged the plot to make it a rom-com. So I think that's testament in itself to how good she is and what her range is because yeah. she got the role twice for two completely different versions of the film. Mm-hmm. And Richard Gere joined after she was already on board. And there's a really nice story that they flew Julia Roberts over to Richard Gere's apartment and the director, Gary Marshall, just said, right, there you go, I'll leave you to it, and just left. <laughs> um, <laughs> thinking he knows that Julia Roberts will win him over. And this is a part that he'd refused lots of times. Yeah. And eventually Gary Marshall rang Richard Gere up. And as he was on the phone to him, Julia Roberts put on a post-it note, please say yes, and pushed it across the table. And he says, I just said yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I think it's crucial, really, that their chemistry, you know, yeah. was genuine and, and it's instant on screen the second that, you know, mm-hmm. they meet each other and she's flirting with him and getting in the car. And it's just great. There's something quite magical about it mm-hmm. to the point where we sort of crave the time that they're on the screen together. Um, mm-hmm. And any time that we're watching Vivian have fun yeah. because, you know, her smile and her laugh is infectious. I'm sure it's something that we'll mention. She has got <laughs> a lot. an absolute million dollar smile. Yeah. I mean, she should be in the dictionary next to that mm. <laughs> next to that picture. saying yeah. there's nobody else mm-hmm. who has a smile like that exactly yeah it lights up her mm. entire face um and it's clear to note as well that yes she had done films before this and she was working her way up but this mm. just set her into the stratosphere yeah this film she brought so much of her own personality uh, and mm. looks to the role as well you know not to be superficial about it but that made she, her yeah she's not hard on the eyes oh. <laughs> she's okay <laughs> uh, i think yeah. her legs pretty much come up to like my boobs <laughs> she's just all leg <laughs> oh, um yeah so her range in this is is incredible she's relatable uh she's funny lovable she does moments of heartbreak great as well um, and she does it mm-hmm. effortlessly it's worth mentioning that she was nominated for an oscar for this role i won't pap on about it too much but she should have won <laughs> um over kathy bates for misery i've written here big mistake big huge <laughs> and yeah this is the thing i've heard the argument before that a lot of rom-coms don't win oscars you know that's true but if Cher can get one for moonstruck and diane keaton can get one for annie hall Shirley MacLaine for Terms of Endearment, Jennifer Lawrence for Silver Linings Playbook, Helen Hunt for As Good As It Gets, and Gwyneth Paltrow for Shakespeare in Flipping Love, then I think Julia Roberts damn well should have got one for Pretty Woman. I see you've done your research there. No, that's just from the top of my head. Um, I just, I, I don't think anyone could have done what Julia Roberts did. Lots of people could have played Annie Wilkes in Misery. I think no one could have done mm. Pretty Woman. Anyway, we'll, we'll move on. I'm not bitter. I'm not. <laughs> so, not in any way. No. Um, so I noticed that the film kind of goes in three 
act, if you will. So the first part is when Edward and Vivian meet and they have their first night together. Part two is where she's hired and transforms into a lady, I guess. And then act three is sort of where it feels a lot less like a business arrangement and it's more about their relationship. So I've picked one sequence from each um, and I just thought it'd be nice to sort of talk about it. Um, And the first one is um, Vivian's arrival at the hotel. So the first thing is the way that she, the, the second she walks through the door, she's like a fish yeah. out of water. Um, uh-huh. I really like how she tries to blend in. She tries her hardest. Never been in somewhere <laughs> that fancy. Yeah. She sort of goes, wow. <laughs> and it echoes. Yeah. <laughs> and everyone looks yeah. around. They do a really good job in the film of making everyone else, especially Snooty, just to make her stand out. <laughs> so when she's trying to get into the lift, for example, there's a posh couple waiting to get in as well. And she's like, oh, God, awkward, awkward. What do I say? She's like, oh, oh honey, I've got a runner in my pantyhose. <laughs> I'm not wearing pantyhose. You know, she thinks that's yeah. how people talk and it's not. Um, and then there's moments where the, the room service guy comes up. Um, <laughs> she tries her best to be helpful. <laughs> What's nice about it is, yes, everybody like kind of looks at her in sheer shock at the beginning <laughs> yeah yeah but it's so nice to see them later when everybody's looking at her yeah. with warmth the next thing that i want to talk about is when they go to dinner her dressed up with the new cocktail dress edward barely recognizes her and you can see that he's completely bowled over and then as they leave the hotel everybody's looking at her and it's one of the scenes like one of many that you just find yourself grinning and you don't know why <laughs> you just don't know why but it is very fairy tale-esque i think that's the appeal of what's going on well, it is a modern day Cinderella, really, isn't it? Mm, it's, yeah, yeah. It's, it is the fairy tale, mm-hmm. all set to what was then present day. Mm-hmm. And then, obviously, she's trying her best to apply the skills that she's been taught at dinner. One of my favourite things is she's trying to work out which fork to use, which is what you mentioned in the quiz. Um, yeah. She's been told that there's a salad at some point, and that's not what turns up first. So she says, where's the salad? And he <laughs> says, oh, the salad comes at the end of the meal. And she just leans and says, but that's the fork I know. <laughs> I wouldn't. I would. I don't understand that at all. Why would you have a salad last? Oh, I don't know. Dessert last. (laughs) It's strange, isn't it? I don't understand that whatsoever. No idea. Or it should be on the side. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And then the other thing, apart from throwing the snail across the room, um, the other thing, (laughs) I God, I I relate to her so much. Sometimes it's when I think they've got some sorbet or something, and she's eating the like the leafage on the top, realizing it's not meant to be eaten, and then she her face when she spits it out. Meanwhile, the serious business conversation is just happening in the background. And then the last scene is the opera, I thought I'd discuss, because she comes out, first of all, in, in the iconic red dress and the white gloves. Yeah, the wow dress. Well, it's very wow, isn't it? I don't think you'd get away with it in any, oh, yeah. any other film apart from this no. one. No. Um, and then there's the story of the necklace, another famous moment that was improvised, where he shuts the case on her hand and she laughs. And you just can't make it up because they didn't. Which wasn't scripted. Yeah. <laughs> that's what makes it so great. I think knowing that you know it's not in the script, yeah. that's what makes it so great to watch. Yeah. That's what makes their relationship believable because you you know they're having mm-hmm. fun with it. Um, yeah. Yeah, and little things like when she's in the opera and she's trying to get the, uh, the glasses to work. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Again, I don't know whether I just like this film because she reminds me of me trying to get them to work. She said, mine are broken. <laughs> And then after she's finished watching the opera, it's clearly affected her emotionally. And the lady next mm-hmm. to them says, did you enjoy the opera? She said, oh, that's it so good, I almost peed my pants. <laughs> I love it. She's just got a charm. That's the thing. Yeah. She, she's got such a charm to her. Yeah. 
we we talked a bit about the music earlier. It's one of the best soundtracks, really. And the score from James Newton Howard as well, which, again, I'm so annoyed that it's never released, but the more intimate and sad moments in the film, mm-hmm. um, this is where his music plays, and it, and it is great. Add to that iconic costumes. We've talked about a lot of them already. And the supporting cast, um, and just general quotability all the way through. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, in my opinion, Julia Roberts has never been this good. I think it's great, actually, because a lot of people say when it comes on TV, they say they drop everything to watch it. I don't think you can say that for mm, many It's one of them, films. isn't it? Yeah. It's one of those films. Mm-hmm. You'd sit and watch it if it was on. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, I mean, brief summary of the film. <laughs> We've got five films now that came about after Pretty Woman. Mm. At this point, she will have had choice of whatever she wanted to do, really. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we're jumping first to sleeping with the enemy mm-hmm. um, now you watched this one for discussion so yeah what did you make of this one? Oh, it's so good isn't it i mean i was really late to this one i only watched it once before yeah i really really like this one the, the one thing that struck me before even anything had happened the music in this film it sounds initially like a sweet little lullaby but you do you know how like lullabies can also be quite creepy in the right context mm-hmm. or the wrong context yeah. so when the title sleeping with the enemy comes up you think oh god um that sort of encapsulates i think what happens with this film she plays laura burney who lives with her husband in this expensive looking and remote house on the beach in cape cod massachusetts which from the outside it's kind of idyllic isn't it you know it, mm-hmm. it looks like everything's going to be perfect but it's pretty clear only a few minutes into the film that something's very off because her husband is a very obsessive and controlling person she's almost like a puppet on his hand mm-hmm. he tells her what to do he tells her how to think he reprimands her for tiny little details in his house like the towels are not straight to the point actually when he says something to her that should be a comfort like we'll always be together nothing can keep us apart it comes across more of a threat um, you think oh my god <laughs> you think, really? i don't want that <laughs> um, so yeah she's clearly really isolated and the setting alone tells us that the house is like a prison yeah and you, the amount of times you see her just sort of looking out to the sea almost longing to be out Mm-hmm. So she's actually amazing at playing both sides of the character. She has to hide it. She has to sort of fake that she's happy. Um, mm-hmm. But on the other hand, she's really fearful. And there's loads of times where you see a shift between the two, like the difference between him being in the room with her and not, or from being completely normal, then realising that, um, you know, the tins aren't straight in the cupboard, you know, the, that yeah. moment of panic. So from a facial expression perspective, she's actually astonishingly good in this. Um, she is, she is. Uh, and there's disturbing scenes as well where, you know, her husband comes in after just meeting the new neighbour and completely unjustified, he beats her to the floor and kicks her. Um, yeah, paranoid. Exactly, yeah, for doing absolutely nothing. But then two seconds later, he's apologising and asking her to smile. It's just like, oh, God. Um, So, yeah, so when she gets the opportunity one day to escape, which, you know, she does during a storm on a sailboat uh, and runs away to start a new life, uh, she's done done the right thing. Um, One thing I really thought was interesting, though, is that most of her character development in the film has already happened before the story starts. Yeah. We get it in flashback that she's been planning this escape for a really long time. What I, I love about this one is when she does get away, you see like this shell being broken down. Mm, yeah. She's hidden behind this wall for so long, this this terror. Mm-hmm. Um that as you slowly see that crack it's kind of being chipped away by a neighbour that she meets. Yeah, yeah. People being nice to her. Mm, um it's slowly really chipped hard. away and she builds that confidence up. Yeah. 
I really love that mm-hmm. seeing her, she becomes herself and is able to be who she probably was before she met her husband. True, yeah. But at the same time, you can tell that right in the back of her head, she knows that she can never fully relax knowing that he exists i suppose yeah and she's right to think that because um <laughs> quite soon <laughs> he's, he's on he's on the stalking after well that's it, it. yeah <laughs> and the, well, the, what's funny is that he's not sad that she's gone he's actually furious you know the first thing he does when he mm. gets back to the house is he smashes a window with the present he gave <laughs> for the honeymoon yeah um yeah uh yeah once he starts to find clues that she might not be dead you know that he's not going to stop till he finds her and the more she tries mm-hmm. to move on the more he moves close to her yeah it, i think it's brilliant yeah. I really love that film. It's a very different type Definitely. of performance from her. I, I, and an early one as well. Yeah. But yeah, love that one. So after that, we're now looking at um, The Pelican Brief. Mm. Um, another one I think is very underrated and um, a pair up with Denzel Washington, which is interesting. Yeah. Not necessarily <laughs> one that you'd pair together, but very successful, I think, um, with this one, she plays grief and shock extremely well, mm-hmm. completely realistic. Um, in this film, she's playing a law student who, after a series of murders of some supreme judges, she writes a brief um, of who she thinks it was, why why it happened, what it was done for. Mm. Unfortunately, it's true, um, and it gets passed high up. Um, from her boyfriend, who she's she's sleeping with her professor. Yeah, cliche. Like you do. Um, <laughs> like you do. And um, and he passes it on to an FBI, and it ends up getting to the White House, and her professor boyfriend is killed, and and it affects her as it would probably would a real person. Yeah, you, yeah. you don't just get up and go, oh well, yes, and carry on. She becomes this. Her voice is really meek and quiet. She's got very little strength um she's so affected by it and it's very realistic it really works um and this is actually a really great political thriller there are great moments of suspense in Mm. this film it's held and held and held and the music's going and you think what's going to happen is going to happen like at one point there's a gun being pointed at her and and you're just waiting Mm. for it to happen yeah just it just carries on (laughs) it's held until you're about to burst basically before the climax of the scene um and i really thought from this there were real hitchcock moments in this hitchcock is very much um of the opinion you tell the audience so the audience knows what's going on Mm -hmm. so let's say for instance there's a bomb on a bus yeah yeah um you know there's a bomb on the bus and the characters don't Mm. they're just carrying on a conversation like normal and you're going oh my god oh my god there's a bomb on the bus get off get off and that same with sleeping with the enemy she doesn't know that martin's coming after yes exactly great technique um and in this one there's there's a there's a bomb in a car um, very much like earlier in the film yeah. and he keeps putting his hand on the ignition because that's what's going to set the bomb off yeah. and then she'll say something and he'll and stop it, oh. and then it does it again yeah. and then again and you're just waiting and you're waiting and it's it's fabulous mm-hmm. it's absolutely fabulous um I, I obviously it's not the greatest film of all time um but it's it's great to see denzel washington working with um, Julia Roberts and mm. she gives a great performance in this she really does it's, yeah it is underrated I would definitely recommend people go and have a look I've, at this I one. have seen it I just I don't remember any of the plot in 1993 it's based on a John Grisham book ah, um yeah. and it's directed by Alan J Pakula so yeah I would definitely go and look at that oh, one. Yeah, proper um conspiracy so so what's next uh next we've got uh, everyone's favorite uh, my best friend's wedding <laughs> 
I hate this movie, actually. I, <laughs> I actually it's hate not, this film. It's not amazing, is it? Um, <laughs> it's the fact that it's not a happy ending, I think, ruins it for me. It's just yeah, like, you oh. don't like And that, I don't do like you? seeing her play, essentially, the baddie. Obviously, there's no yeah. baddies really in this film, but she's playing the antagonist character. Mm. And I don't like it on her. Yeah, she's not a likeable character for most of the film no. in, 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 no. in a lot of ways. Um, although we do prefer to Cameron Diaz, I think I, I don't know. I found her extremely annoying. Yeah, um, yeah. And we don't really want her to succeed as a character either because of what she's doing. But I don't like who they're fighting for either. No, <laughs> I don't like him as no. a as a guy. Really, does nothing for me whatsoever. Again, it's one of those ones that I've seen, but I didn't really remember a lot about it. So when it starts and the opening scenes, the um, bordering on the surreal, really, there's these women singing, um, wishing and hoping. You know the. Uh, Oh, uh, is it Dusty Springfield song? I can't remember now. Um, mm-hmm. And it's sort of like ironic, mocking marriage as like a game that needs to be played, you know, that you need to win, mm-hmm. you know, to yeah. win someone's heart. And I think actually in a, in a roundabout way, it does set up the film quite nicely because that's what Julia Roberts' character is doing. So she made a pact with her friend Michael years ago that if they made it to 28 without being married, that they would they would marry each other. I'm sure there's a name for when you do that with somebody, but I can't remember what it's called. Marriage Pact or something. Um, Mm -hmm. So three weeks before her 28th birthday and she gets a call from Michael and she's like, oh my God, he wants to talk. And she's convinced that, yeah, we're getting married. But no, he's getting married to Cameron Diaz instead, who's sort of a ditzy billionaire's daughter called Kimmy. (laughs) Uh, And he says, yeah, we're getting married on Sunday. And he asks her to come out. Which she does, but she's got other plans. Uh, I just wrote here, cute, crazy, jealous, evil Julia Roberts. (laughs) Yes. Who drags her gay friend and editor, George, perhaps the only likeable character in the film. (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. As she plays homewrecker and tries to stop the Mm -hmm. wedding, break up the couple and take him for herself because she realises that she does actually like him. Self-destructive for her as a character, which is, it's not easy to watch in films at the best of times, but knowing that it's her as well, I don't know if she was just a bit miscast here that kind of script yeah it works yeah it does for that you know for the genre of film it is but yeah like you say um i don't know if julia roberts um mm. it's hard to say because maybe it's successful because she's likable so mm. even though she's unlikable you still don't completely hate her because it's julia roberts and you can't yeah um but for me it just doesn't work i i'm not a fan there are some moments that are good. I mean, there's obviously the iconic singing in the restaurant, a say a little prayer scene, because obviously mm-hmm. George eventually tries to get her in. Ah, it's too complicated to describe. Um, and, and there are genuine moments. I think there's one on a boat. It's her and it's Michael, and they're basically saying, oh, this is the last time we'll be alone together like this. Mm. And it is, it is quite a sweet, genuine moment. And there's a bit of, do they like each other still, you know? And he says, if you love someone, surely you say it. And the moment Michael does that, they go under a bridge and then she thinks about it. <laughs> and there's a moment where they're invisible together and then they come back out and it snaps back out and she's back to her tricks again mm. and lying. It's not her best film and it's not her best performance, although she's not bad. It's just not right for her, I don't think. All right. Well, next is um, a film that very much works for me. Um, 1998's Stepmom. Mm. Chris Columbus directed this and I'm very much of the opinion anything that Chris Columbus made in the 90s <laughs> was pure gold yeah Mrs Doubtfire yes Harry Potter even when that came out uh-huh. early 2000s um, yeah. and this just works for me completely through and through so basically in this film Julie Roberts plays Isabel who is in a relationship with Ed Harris whose ex-wife is Susan Sarandon mm. but it's that 
basic thing that happens. They've got two kids um, played by Jenna Malone and Liam Aiken, and they are fabulous. Oh, I know both those names. They are absolutely brilliant in this film. The kids are just oh. fantastic. Um, and it's yeah. it's that um, storyline of, you know, this new woman comes in and is having what is going to be a very successful relationship. Susan Sarandon's got to come to terms with it. The kids have got to come to terms with it. And it's just fabulous. I would say that one of her greatest pair-ups mm. uh, with another leading actor is Susan Sarandon. They're like chalk and cheese, but it's <laughs> such great casting because they just yeah, and it works. they play off each other so well. It's brilliantly mm-hmm. done. I read that there was rumours that they were butting heads on set. I wouldn't be surprised. I don't know. I, I wouldn't be surprised. I think Susan Sarandon's probably a little bit difficult. <laughs> she she comes across as not as warm. Mm. Maybe she was just in character. <laughs> She's not a very warm, down-to-earth character. Speaking <laughs> of, um, yeah. Julia Roberts in this, um, she doesn't always, but she can have a very down-to-earth quality. And mm-hmm. I think she has that in this. Um, you can imagine her in these realistic circumstances, trying to get the kids on her side and just trying to get to know them and deal with all of the issues that you have to deal with, you know, when you mm-hmm. come into a relationship with children involved. Yeah. And the script in places is absolutely fabulous. It's so real. Um, there's one mm-hmm. scene I want to talk about because I just think it's so fantastic. Basically, it's very much later on in the film where Susan Sarandon and Julia Roberts have had to try and, you know, start to work together and they are starting to come to terms with each other and they sit and they have this meeting and, um, spoiler for the film, um, Susan Sarandon's actually got cancer and she is terminally ill. They're talking about the children and, and Julia Roberts is frightened that basically Susan Sandon knows everything about the kids, every scar, every story, everything about them. Mm. And how can she compete with that? And she says, look forward to Anna. It's just the daughter's wedding and she's there with her and she's looking beautiful and she's she's terrified that all she'll be thinking is, I wish my mum was here. And mm. Susan Sandon says, and I'm worried she won't. Right, oh yeah, yeah. And it's it's just it's a fabulous scene. It's so well done just between two characters. But it's oh it's just I love it. I absolutely love it. I mm. think it's class act acting. I, I really think yeah. it's fantastic. I haven't seen it if I'm honest. Do you know it's it's brilliant. I watched half the trailer and then stopped the trailer because I didn't want to see it's it. A, anymore. It's another one that's extremely <laughs> emotive. Um and Susan Sandon and Julia Roberts are extremely good at that. A mm. lot of it's yeah. um just in looks. And they're both so mm. good at portraying the feelings yeah. that are needed without any words whatsoever. Um, and it's one of those fabulous, absolutely fabulous. I can't Very recommend good. it enough. Yeah, I might watch it next week. And next is another one for me. Mm-hmm. 1999's Notting Hill. I think everybody on earth has seen this one, haven't they? I've never, I've never watched it. You are <laughs> joking. <laughs> I don't see the appeal at all. Oh, it's, oh, it's just it's a classic, classic rom-com. You should watch it because it's a Richard Curtis script, and he is yeah no just I will watch it yeah fabulous it's British comedy but with an American yeah. involved it's fantastic uh, that's the thing I don't buy them as a realistic couple no but you don't though that's the thing it's it's, it's <laughs> okay you're supposed to suspend your belief because that's the whole point he doesn't believe it that's mm. the you know what I mean okay. you've got to suspend your your belief with this one um, you can do better Julia <laughs> <laughs> so basically is her at the time. It's so mm. real. The film starts with the song She by Elvis Costello. Um, mm. 
every, every lyric is pretty much like completely true. Um, it's the perfect choice for the film. It very much describes Julia Roberts at that time. She was the it girl. You know, mm. it starts off showing her all these premieres and movie stills and just everything. This is the other and thing. That is and I think maybe I have seen it. I think I, I didn't like this film because it was almost asking her not to act. I think it was just using her. It's a half and half, really, because it's, it's <laughs> basically it is who she is as a person. But that it works so well mm. for the film because it brings out her warmth. It, it take away all of the actor bits and, and she just, this is who she is, who she wants to be. Mm. And there is a little nod to Pretty Woman in there. You know, we'll get your spick and span <laughs> and back out on the street again and not in a prostitute sense. And that really made me laugh. Um, <laughs> oh, good. I like that. The kiss in the house at the beginning is complete and utter nonsense because there's absolutely no sensible reason at all why she would just kiss a random guy in his house um <laughs> that doesn't that doesn't work for me but you know it starts the story off and mm. one of the greatest scenes is the dinner party scene it's just it, it's okay. fantastic it's brilliant it's great acting it's such good fun perfect casting again the script is so great again it's another one like mm-hmm. you said with with pretty woman this is a very quotable film um yeah yeah it's just such a great dialogue um mm-hmm. but not only that there's, there's some really clever um filmmaking in there there's um, a passage of time montage which is just so cleverly done um mm-hmm. it's all down notting hill market and just shows um so many different things that portray passage of time like a yeah. woman pregnant and by the end she's got the baby and then the weather's changing and there's mm-hmm. haircuts and there's starts of relationships and ends of rela- it's, it's just very very clever for for a minute right. scene extremely mm. well done um and then obviously there's the just a girl standing in front of a boy line it's pure classic and again I hate, I hate yes that line. you're suspending <sighs> your disbelief but it's just lovely it is just lovely uh, i look at them saying it to each other I, I don't believe that they mean that i just I you've just got don't. to put your romantic head on and enjoy it for what it is nah, it's romantic and nah. it's funny and and that's what you've got to take from it but yeah no it's very good so that's so that mm-hmm. basically those five films they encapsulate the first part of her career and um, yeah and i think people forget the fact that she did have some more serious films in there um yeah. there were a lot of serious films in there mm-hmm so that's the first kind of part of the career. Now, 2000 with Erin Brockovich um, was yeah. a real kind of, it almost like she changed her choices. Um, she made a real effort to go in a different direction. Mm-hmm. Um, and that very much shows in the choice of films she's done ever since, really. And she was growing up as well, you know, she was getting a bit older. Um, this is it as well, yeah. It's a factor you have to consider when you look at someone's career. It is. That they do you, get different roles. Yeah, and, and the, I think, obviously, with anything, when you grow and mature, um, your choices and things that you like change as well. Mm-hmm. So I think that's a big a big thing. So Erin Brockovich, like we've said already, um, she won her Oscar for this. Mm-hmm. Um, and very, very rightly so, I think, because she's just absolutely fabulous. Do you want your quiz? <laughs> uh, yeah, go on. I mean, I'm not. Um, I'm not very confident. That I'm gonna I, I wouldn't. I w- honestly, I wouldn't worry too much. Right, go I, on. I'm going to be quite lenient in some of them. Go on. Okay. Go on. Question one: What make of car? Hits errands after she leaves an unsuccessful job interview. 
Oh, Jesus. Oh, God. <laughs> I'll just point out, it was really hard to do a quiz for Aaron Brockovich, because it's all figures and statistics, and they all change as you go through the film. Oh, I'm going to just go with Mercedes, because I'm not sure. I'm sorry, no, it's a Jaguar. It's a Jaguar. Mm. Yeah, she gets hit by Jaguar, sorry. Damn it. Um, okay, better look on this one. Um, <laughs> according to... <laughs> According to Erin, because she doesn't have insurance, approximately how much debt is she in after the accident? I'll give it you within a few thousand dollars. Is it 17,000? Correct, yes. yeah. So you do know your stuff. Yeah. I've <laughs> <Okay>. got one <laughs> so far. Out of two, it's 50-50. Well, yeah, that doesn't sound great, does it? <laughs> okay. Number three, I'll get some more out. What does her daughter Katie order at the diner? Um, she orders a burger without the bun um, and without the cheese i'll give you that yeah it's a cheeseburger deluxe with no cheese and no bread <laughs> correct <Yeah. laughs> um what is on i really scraped the barrel here what <laughs> is on the bandana <laughs> that george wears on the first day he looks after erin's kids oh for god's sake it's the only like notable bandana that he wears that really. is so unfair <laughs> oh god all of his other ones are plain but he wears a different one has it got like American flag or an American eagle or something, I don't know, I'm just guessing. First answer, yep, stars and stripes, you got it right. Oh, you got it right. That was a pure guess, <laughs> I had absolutely no idea. <laughs> Without looking at your notes, what's the name of the chemical element slash compound that Erin is investigating? It's something beginning with a H, chromosome <laughs> 6. Some, something chromosome 6. Hexavalent chrome, chromium or chromium 6. Something yeah, like I'll accept that. Yeah, I would have accepted chromium, chromium six, hexavalent chromium six. And I got the entire <laughs> thing eventually. Yeah, you got <laughs> I'll that. take that. I'll take that. <laughs> Question six: Erin was once a beauty pageant queen, but which city in Kansas did she represent? Wichita. Correct. Yes, she was Miss Wichita. Um, according to George, what was Beth's first word that she that Erin missed when she was at work? Ball. Correct. Ball. What is the name of the company that Erin is fighting? And what does it stand for? Oh, fuck. <laughs> uh, sorry. <laughs> Language. <laughs> sorry. Um, PG&E is the, yeah. the company. Is it like something like Pacific Gas and Electric or something like that? Yeah. Yeah. Oh. In total, how many plaintiffs from Hinkley do Ed and Erin convince to sign the agreement? All of them. All of them, and it's uh, it's like six hundred and twenty or something, six hundred and thirty-seven. I don't know, so six hundred and something. I'll give you that six hundred and thirty-four. All of them, and then finally, how much in total does the court order PG&E to pay the residents of Hinkley? Is it three hundred and thirty million? Yeah, I'll give you. I'll give you it. Three hundred and thirty-three million. Oh, I was very yeah. close. Very cool. I'll give you. I'm giving you it. I'll give Thank you. Thank you it. very much. You got nine out of ten. Same as me. No, I'll, I'm. I'm very impressed with myself actually that I've yeah. been able to keep even half of that information in. And now you know all about jaguars and bandanas. <laughs> <laughs> so, what makes this film so interesting is the fact that it's based on a true story. Um, mm -hmm. So Erin Brockovich is a real woman. She actually plays a cameo in the film. She's the waitress who takes the order with, for the burger with oh, no bread. Oh, is she? Um, yeah. Oh, she's good in that. Yes. Um, so that's <laughs> the real Erin Brockovich. And the real Ed Masry, he's one of the diners sat at a table as well. He's there. 
Um, ah. So basically, Erin Brockovich is an unemployed single mother who um, has a run-in with Ed Masri um, because she gets hit by another car and um, and, a Jaguar. <laughs> and he goes to court for her, um, but she loses. And she's so down on luck, can't get a job. She's got three kids. It's it's the perfect um, catch twenty two situation, mm. um, which is very relatable to people. You know, she's. She's a very determined character, so you root from her from the beginning, but she's just getting nowhere. Um, so she mm. kind of ingratiates herself into his company and just starts working there. And, <laughs> she just um, turns up. Yeah, and Ed Masri is a... Per- Albert Finney's fantastic in this, and he's yeah. kind of taken in by her, I think. There's something about her that just... He, he just agrees to um, yeah. let her work there. Um, there's something mm-hmm. about her. Um, so she starts working in the in the place, and and she's looking into um, what she thinks is a real estate case, and she's only filing mm. things away, but she she doesn't understand why there's medical records in amongst this real estate. Yeah, and it turns out from her doing a little bit of digging that this massive billion dollar company is poisoning residents um, of a town called Hinkley mm-hmm. through this um, hexavalent chromium that is in the water and and they've told them that yes there is some chromium in, but not this really bad one they told them it was a completely dif- different one they've paid for their houses for them to move um, and they've paid a few doctor's bills for people but as it turns out when she goes around and starts visiting people these people are dying yeah they yeah. have got tumors and cancers and having like hysterectomies and it's it's mm-hmm. just barbaric it's horrendous that people could sleep knowing that they're doing this yeah. um, and basically what it comes down to is Erin through Ed and his company um they start going at them basically they're going to fight them um so that they get these people some money it's all about that basically and her mm. her work there um so the film there's a very interesting color palette to this film i think it's very it's, it's very yeah. orange isn't it hot looking setting yeah very much so and um this i think plays very well to julia's character she's her temper is fabulous in this She's mm. so fiery, and the lines yeah. that come from <laughs> from those yeah. parts are just brilliant. Um, for instance, do they teach lawyers to apologise? Because you suck at it. It's just <laughs> you know, it's just fantastic script. The dialogue's brilliant, mm. very fresh, very quick, very witty. The way she speaks to his secretary. God, yeah, it's fabulous. Because again, <laughs> are you taking all this down, honey. <laughs> yeah, the, literally. Again, stereotype appearances can be deceiving. Erin's yeah, stereotyped yeah. because of the costumes in this really, um, you know, they show her boobs and 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 short skirts above the knee and and you know and and mm. accentuate her figure, and um, so mm-hmm. she's very much stereotyped as a, a bimbo basically. Yeah, um, yeah, she's got three kids with two divorced husbands, and and it all plays to this stereotype of a person, um, mm-hmm. and. If ever the saying "Don't judge a book by its cover" were true, it, it's here. Um, yeah, yeah. They even say at one point, "You look like someone who has a lot of fun," but in reality, <laughs> she is incredibly intelligent. She's loyal, and she has the nerve to fight for these people um, that can't do it for themselves. She brings a bit of humanity to you know. Lawyers are stereotypically not known for being exactly down to earth, really. But I have literally got that as a note. Yeah. She she oh, yeah. <laughs> humanizes Ed as a lawyer because he's built up a way of speaking and dealing with mm. clients and she brings him back down to earth, so to speak. Yeah. You know, making him think and about them as people. 
not just a client. She knows desperate times herself. So to know that there's other families and, you know, families with kids who are in worse situations than even she was in Mm -hmm. at her lowest, you know, she's willing to put her neck out on the line to do something for them more so than what would be expected of her as an employee of that. Mm-hmm. Albert mm. Finney is is fantastic in this film. Mm. He's the perfect yeah. um, match for her in this. <laughs> it's really really good fun um, watching mm-hmm. them banter because they've got this. They yeah. bicker like an old married couple. They one up each other. He's really angry at one point. He goes F- you, and she goes F- you back, and then they just start laughing. <laughs> you know, it's like yeah. it's, it's a really really well matched. Um, and Aaron Eckhart as well, completely disguised in this film because you barely recognise him with the long hair yeah, and the beard and the yeah. bandana. Um, mm. It's very different for him. He is very good as well. She has a well. lot of really nice neighbours. She does. <laughs> in the films that she does. Everybody's <laughs> looking after her kids for her. Yeah, just, oh, yeah, just leave them with the neighbours. But he, he is lovely in this, actually. And again, he kind of breaks the stereotype as well because you, you look at this biker guy yeah. and, and he's in his leathers and long hair and a bit, and you just think, oh, maybe a bit dodgy. Mm. And actually, yeah, he's you... got a heart of gold, really. He's a lovely guy. Yeah. Um, it loves her kids. You don't expect those things. No. Uh, and no. that's another nice thing about it. Appearances can really be deceiving in this, um, yeah. which is lovely. 100%. Absolutely lovely. Um, this is a really very well put together film. Um, this is Steven Soderbergh making this. And mm. there are parts of it that do feel very much like a thriller parts where she's nervous and she's unsure and, and you can't tell with people and she's trying to get information um in the tone and the vein of all the president's men for instance yeah soderbergh sets this up in places very much like films to that nature um and it works really well well at the core of it you there's know. still technically a conspiracy and a cover-up and all those traits of a conspiracy thriller yeah you keep giving key pieces of information on by looking mm. at the paperwork and things like that it yeah. all kind of fits and then she even gets a threatening phone call at one point yeah yeah they don't dwell on it too much but it happens yeah um and you know it obviously happened in real life too. yeah it's got those kind of parts to it um mm. and i think the reason i like this film so much i i hate injustice I, I really hate injustice. <laughs> um, and the fact that this is a true story with a happy ending. Um, there mm. aren't enough of those, you know, right, yeah. real stories that actually stories, yeah. that actually had a happy ending. So you feel yeah. satisfied at the end of this. Um, mm-hmm. And I love the fact that um, she took George with her at the end to show what he'd helped do by looking after her kids and allowing her to yeah. go out to work. This is what she mm-hmm. was able to do, and and that scene's really heartwarming. Lovely film. Yeah. Um, I can't recommend this enough. If you haven't seen it, go and watch mm. it because it's it's a powerhouse um performance from Julia yeah. Roberts. It's absolutely brilliant. Mm. So this kind of set her up for for what has become her career since then. So the next one we're going to look at is Mona Lisa Smile. Now I'll pass it over mm. to you for this because. From what I remember of it, I would have to rewatch oh, I think it, it again. I, actually, I, think. I really think it's good. Yeah, so in Mona Lisa Smile, she goes to work in Massachusetts from California to work at, it's like a women's liberal arts college in the US called Wellesley. And this is a period film, isn't it? Yeah, sorry, 1953. Um, so she goes there to teach history of art. And it's pretty clear from the start that she's... She doesn't look like she's from the 50s. She looks like she's modern day woman. Um, yeah. And that's very much her attitude as well. It's like she's come she's come there, you know, not to fit in, but she's come there to make a difference. Yeah. 
she's really good in this actually at playing best of both worlds she plays a pretty woman but mm. she's also a pretty progressive woman yeah. as well i was quite happy with that line <laughs> <laughs> however she doesn't bank on how traditional things really are under the surface mm-hmm. when she gets there um, and how resistant to change everyone actually is because the ideals and the and the um the culture for women of yeah, that time well, for, for women at the time they went to college to find yeah. a husband and sod the learning <laughs> it was it wasn't about the learning yeah you know? yeah and she's again like you say progressive she's there to break that idea it's kind of in two respects actually there's the side of her teaching and being a teacher of art mm-hmm. to the students and then there's the sort of the other side where art becomes a metaphor for the broader sort of gender roles in society mm-hmm. um but yeah when she gets there she's she's warned by some of the other teachers that everybody you know the students and the faculty and everybody um they have claws under their white gloves <laughs> and that too much too much independence frightens them um the trick to surviving wellesley is never getting noticed and that doesn't bode well for catherine sorry her name's catherine um <laughs> who's um clearly a woman well ahead of her time uh, so when she goes to her classroom she's completely out of her depth her pupils already know everything there is to know about art history because they've read the syllabus and yeah. all the texts already so frankly they eat her alive and dismiss themselves after only a few minutes um so she has to toughen up and she goes back and mm. starts giving them stuff that's not on the syllabus and all of a sudden they you know, they're forced to actually discuss things and debate things, think outside the box, look beyond the picture and open their minds to new ideas. Mm. Um, and that's just on the level of art. But what she does by consequence is get them to not just reassess what they see in uh, sort of visual image, but also in like personal image as well, if that yeah. makes sense. Because like you say, although they're all very intelligent and full of potential, she finds that Wellesley is essentially a finishing school disguised as a college. Yeah. Um, and everything they do is structured around what they're going to do when they graduate, which is you're going to be the sole caregiver for husbands and children. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, one of the teachers even says the grade he gives you matters the most. It, you know, it doesn't matter how well you do at school. Mm-hmm. And that's her main obstacle in the film, pretty much. She tries to reverse the girl's ways of thinking. Yeah. Um, one of my favourite moments is where she urges them to consider, well, what will future scholars see when they study us? Mm. And the artwork of the time that she uses is, you know, these magazine uh, adverts, you know, for new cookers and the, the idea of the housewife. And yeah. Make something outside the box, which is where the title comes in. I really like how this was segued in. Mm-hmm. You know, the idea that Mona Lisa is smiling, but ju- because she's smiling, that doesn't mean she's happy. You know, so what? Yeah. So what's actually going on beneath the surface? And you know, you have a choice. You know, and you have potential. Mm-hmm. That kind of thing. I, I think it's really good. Um, the frustrations in the film she portrays really well because um, everything is against her. And I think it's great. I think it's really good. And there's, oh God, Kirsten Dunst, I just want to punch her in the face. <laughs> I've never liked Kirsten Dunst in anything. And in this, she is a right cow. I actually I can't watched, even tell you. I watched Hidden Figures last night. She's in that. She's, she, uh, she's, she's a, a cow. A, <laughs> <laughs> she's a bit of one in that as well. <laughs> I'll give her credit. She's good at playing nasty. Antagonist. She's a nasty piece of work. <laughs> mm, yeah. <laughs> So if anyone hasn't seen Mona Lisa Smile, I, I, I do highly recommend it. There's a really nice message in there hmm. and really clever as well. Okay. So we're moving on then. We're, we're jumping ahead a lot here um, because I think it's hmm. safe to say that she, she didn't make as many films from 2000 to 2010, especially ones no. that were notable that she was the lead. So we're jumping ahead um, to Eat, Pray, Love, which hmm. came out in 2010. Now, this did not do very well. 
I think it's safe to say, this got a yeah. 36% tomato meter score and only mm-hmm. a 42% audience score as well. It, basically, the gist of it was the scenery is nice to look at and Julia Roberts is as mm-hmm. luminous as ever, but without the spiritual and emotional weight of the book that inspired yeah. it, basically. It's I don't too remember shallow. being particularly moved. I'd never seen it, so I watched it for the first time for this um, episode. Um, I didn't hate it by any means. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't hate it at all. To summarise the film, this is a very unhappy married woman. She's not happy in, a, in her marriage. Um, it doesn't really know why she's married. Um, mm. And she's not happy with her life, uh, how it's mm-hmm. gone, what she's doing with it. Um, and she gets a divorce and takes off basically on a round the world trip she goes to um italy then she goes to india and she ends up in bali um Mm. so this film is very much split into probably four parts (laughs) the the beginning which sets up her story then you've got the three countries that she goes to one to eat one to pray one to love is that right yeah (laughs) yeah basically (laughs) that's one of the issues with it it's too long right so each of the parts themselves are fairly enjoyable but you know by the time you get to each one you're like oh right okay on the next section it's over two hours long this film and i don't really necessarily think it needs to be Mm -hmm. um but there are good things in it um she obviously chose this to have fun you know it was going to be a nice film with good actors in it and get to travel and eat and have uh, you know a great time and it looks like she did and it's it is nice it's i wouldn't go as far to say it's shallow i wouldn't um it is full Mm. of deep philosophical ideas about finding yourself and becoming comfortable with who you are and, and and your life and what you want to do with it um it's one to watch. I don't know if I'd go back and watch it again. Yeah, I have a feeling that it's one of those things where probably the book is better. You know, it's one of those. Yeah, you can tell that it's based on. I would, else. I would definitely watch it because it's good fun, and it, it, it maybe does make you stop and think about your life a little bit, if you, hmm. you know. But I wouldn't say yeah. there's much more to it than that. Yeah, I think I'd have to rewatch it because, yeah. again, watched it once. There was no memorable moment. No, really. there isn't really. There isn't. I would say the same thing about the next film we're going to talk about. Um, okay. I don't remember a lot about that. So the next one mm. is um, <laughs> August Osage County. Um, yeah. Which for ages I couldn't work out what the, t- what the title meant. Yeah. I thought is August a place in Osage mm-hmm. County, and then no, it's it's the it's the date. It's the month of August mm-hmm. in Osage County, which I believe is in Oklahoma. I think something like that. Yeah. Yeah. This this is the marker for me for where Julia Roberts reinvented herself mm-hmm. to the actress that she is right yes. now. Yeah, I'd agree with I you. Um, and I was so surprised that this was her doing this role. Um, mm-hmm. And I think one of the first films, I think I'm okay saying this, where her looks aren't in some way part of her character. You know, they... Yeah, I would probably agree with that. She's no longer Pretty Woman or Mona Lisa, and she's phenomenal at it. Um, it she's more bland. She's great. She's Absolutely. plain. It's plain. Absolutely plain. So she plays here someone called Barbara Weston. and She gets a call from one of her sisters to say that her father has gone missing and so must travel from Colorado to Oklahoma to be with her mother, who's called Violet, who's played by Meryl Streep. Um, <laughs> but before we get to that, there's very clearly a lot of issues <laughs> just even closer to home yes. than that. Um, 
her first line in the film is to her 14-year-old daughter, Jean, who's played by Abigail Breslin, who has answered the phone call in the first place. And her first line is, if it's your father, tell him to F off. <laughs> She's lying on her bed in the middle of the day. She looks depressed. Mm-hmm. Um, she says things like, thank God we can't see the future or we'd never get out of bed. Um She's got grey roots. She's got a very sunken look about her. She swears a lot. Um, so it's something that we've maybe seen hints of in her other roles, but not to this extent. Extent, no. yeah. And she's separated from her husband, Bill, who's played by Ewan McGregor, um, but for the sake of putting up a front for her mother, who will absolutely use it as ammunition otherwise, they go all together. Yeah. And they're already arguing and fighting and um, having digs at each other the whole way, mm-hmm. which puts strain on their already explosive relationship yeah. with each other and with their teenage daughter. So um, it was funny you said about Erin um, Brockovich, the you know, the look of it and the setting of it mm-hmm. is quite claustrophobic, I guess. Yeah. Well, this one, it's the American Midwest Dust Bowl County mm-hmm. sort of setting, and it's stuffy. God, yeah. it's stifling to look at. Mm-hmm. Um, much like the atmosphere between the characters, you can tell everyone's got a very short fuse. Am I right in thinking that this film was based on a play? Correct, yeah. Yeah, it is. I, I thought it feels very much like it's very dialogue heavy, isn't it? Mm, and mostly in, set in one place. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, so the, the most explosive relationships are obviously between Barbara and her mum. So yeah. uh, Julia Roberts and Meryl Streep, they're instantly at each other's throats. You can tell there's bad blood between them. Yeah. Um, she resents Barbara for moving away. She makes her feel guilty for breaking her father's heart because you were his favourite. Mm. Uh and in general, you can sense that there's a lot that's gone unsaid over the years and it's all sat beneath the surface because yeah. there's a lot of drama and family drama. So if this wasn't already enough, her mum's actually also recently been diagnosed with oral cancer. She's close to the end of her chemotherapy treatment, but she's become hooked on pills as well, yeah. which makes it almost impossible for her to have a rational conversation with anybody. Yeah. And probably why her husband has disappeared as well. <laughs> um, in the opening scene, we see the strain on the two of them. She's off her face, really, yeah. pretty much. And on top of that, I mean, as if it wasn't already bad enough, um, her father is found drowned in a nearby lake, which mm. is potentially suicide. And this family's visit actually then becomes a much bigger dysfunctional family gathering yeah. for the funeral and the aftermath, um, where there's three generations of women in the same family. So there's Meryl Streep, her sister's played by Margot Martindale, Meryl's three daughters, and then Julia Roberts's daughter mm-hmm. on top of that. Add to the mix husbands, fiancés, other offspring, the likes of Benedict Cumberbatch, Ewan McGregor, Chris Cooper, Dermot Mulroney makes another appearance. It's a stunning cast. (laughs) Absolutely. It's huge, this cast. The house just basically becomes a full-on battleground. Everyone's estranged from each other or dysfunctional or broken relationships, family secrets, drama, blame, guilt. And Barbara's stuck in the middle of it. She's like the mediator for the whole family. Mm. I I thought it was wonderful. Uh, It was so refreshing. Not just for Julia Roberts, but I think as a film, we hadn't had something like that yeah. for a long time. But no one really talks about it. They don't. No, it's kind of slipped away. It, it's. Yeah. Um... I think it, it would have been bigger had they had more Oscar success. So Julia yeah. Roberts and Meryl Streep yeah. were both nominated. And I wrote on Facebook when I watched it, I said, it's a really good job that Kate Blanchett and Lupita Nyong'o won and were deserving. Exactly. Otherwise, I would have been really upset because they were the clear runners up. Yeah, almost a quarter of the film, like slap bang in the middle, 20 minute section is one scene at the dinner table, which I just think is phenomenal. And Mm. it's all the cast around the table. It's meanness and aggression, passive aggression. 
yeah comments flying around the table mm-hmm. to the point where it breaks out in a, an actual physical fight <laughs> gotta do that with your family haven't you physical <laughs> fights <laughs> physical fights with your drug addict mum yes <laughs> so uh, yeah um I, yeah i highly recommend that one if no one's seen it okay yeah. so from there we're jumping ahead two years um to secret in their eyes now mm-hmm. this um was always going to be one that was skeptical i think for, for people and audiences mm. uh, um, because it's based on an argentinian film yeah um, a very successful <laughs> which was extremely successful yeah, yeah. It won an oscar um mm-hmm. so or obviously immediately you're going to think oh well you know they're just remaking it because it was a great film um mm. what julie roberts has said is that you know they wanted to make it as a tribute to the film yeah straight away you're going into this thinking mm, not sure about this and I, I thought it was it was average mm-hmm. it's um it's your typical i suppose you would say mystery thriller um the main characters in this are you've got um julia roberts playing a cop jessica cobb um mm-hmm. you've got nicole kidman who's a lawyer comes in um she's plays claire and then you've got chiwetel Ejiofor who plays ray um mm-hmm. now ray's come into la to work on this terrorism team and they're watching this mosque when they get a call that the body's been found next door to the mosque dumped in a in a like a skip yeah um and when they get there, it turns out it's Julia Roberts' daughter. And I am not joking. I am absolutely not joking. This is mm-hmm. the scene that I remembered from the film because it's so incredibly difficult to watch. It's right. heartbreaking. It's one of those, once you've seen it, you, you, you'll never forget it. There's no yeah. forgetting this once you've seen it because it is so realistic. It's any mother who loses yeah. a child. It's so hard to watch. I mean, I literally, I watched her. She just screamed. I just burst into tears, like mm. on the spot. It's yeah. so emotional, um, and you'll and it informs the entire film after that. Um, mm-hmm. She completely convinces in this part. Again, it's like you said earlier, makeup and this pretty look and and what she was known for basically yeah, is yeah. completely out the window in this. Yeah, she plays a woman haunted. And you see it in her face. There's no makeup. She's very plain. Um, she she looks awful. At one point, um, Chiritel Edge of Four's character Ray says, "You look a million years old." Okay. Oh and you see that. You can see yeah. that in the part. She looks absolutely awful. She's just grief stricken. And the mm-hmm. film, I, I quite enjoyed it because it's. Um, it's flashback and forward. So you see it 13 years later and see the effects that this one event had on those three characters. Um, right. And I, I kind of like that because you slowly drip fed the information. You're constantly waiting for the next piece. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought that worked. It's an incredibly sad film really um, because they were all caught in a web by this yeah. one horrific event and they could never break free from it. And mm. it, you see how how it informed the rest of their lives over these thirteen years, and right. I, I won't give away the ending. But what you would oh, think no. <laughs> would be kind of a justification that would maybe make you feel better, mm-hmm. it really doesn't. Right? You just think, what a waste! It still happened. Yeah. Yeah. You just think uh, it's not changed their lives. It's not going to make them feel any better in mm. any way, and probably very realistic in a way. I'm sure what actually happens. <laughs> 
people do not do. <laughs> right. <laughs> okay. Probably not yeah. your standard uh, situation. But in no, terms but... of the fact that the you know the losing them, there is no happy ending in in it. Right. Um. And in that way, I think it was a very successful film. No, like I said, I didn't actually know that that film existed. It just well, slipped under my no, radar. Another one on your list. So last one, I haven't seen this one, is uh, Ben is Back. The last film that she did. Um, it is, yeah. She's had a couple of years off. Right now. Um, yeah, this was directed by Peter Hedges, whose son stars in the film as her son, yes. uh, Ben. I do think you'll quite like this. Funny name for a film, I thought. <laughs> ben is back. <laughs> ben is back. Yeah. Um, yeah, but I think it suitably sets up an enigma there. Mm. So the whole film is set over 24 hours on Christmas Eve. So, you know, you can watch it as a Christmas film. Um, and it's in a quaint, <laughs> quaint <laughs> suburban town. Hey, there's a nativity scene. Um, so Julia Roberts plays a Holly Burns doesn't it just um (laughs) who on the morning of christmas eve she comes home from a nativity rehearsal with her teenage daughter ivy and her two younger stepchildren to find that her 19 year old son ben is stood in her driveway he's actually introduced to us as an audience as this hooded youth looking like he's trying to break into their house so something's clearly wrong she stops the car very suddenly Mm -hmm. says oh my god uh, the kids in the back are saying, is that Ben? Quite excitedly. But her daughter Ivy is extremely wary. She says, don't. She says, don't go to him. Hmm. But she does. And she's in disbelief. She's overjoyed to see him. Yeah. And she hugs him and she says, don't let go. Don't let go. Meanwhile, her daughter Ivy's texting her stepdad, basically, get home ASAP. Yeah. It transpires that Ben is a drug addict. And he spent the last few months in rehab after Holly had found him earlier that year, overdosed. Yeah. Um And he wasn't meant to be home this early. Despite how normal and friendly and chatty he appears, you can tell from his stepdad and his sister who share this concern that he needs to be taken back. Yeah, there's a whole other story there. Yeah, pretty much. Um, And they don't know what he's capable of. I think that's... It's the nature of drug addiction. Yeah. Like you, you're not yourself. You know, you can't trust yourself. Um, and that's what they say to Holly. They say, you can't stay here. There's potentially too many triggers. Yeah. He needs to go back. Uh, she's not happy with this. She, she's annoyed and frustrated that everyone seems to have given up on him and won't give yeah. him a chance. So she negotiates some terms on which he can stay for 24 hours if he can pass a drug test and that he doesn't leave her sight, mm-hmm. which is all well and good. Um, but Ben really wants to prove himself. Um, you know he's 70 odd days clean uh, he has coping mechanisms and a sponsor that he can ring but even he himself says you can't trust a drug addict that's the golden rule how can holly yeah. trust him so they don't just spend the day in the house he wants to go shopping so that he can buy presents from himself mm-hmm. someone recognizes him he owes the money and then cue the rest of the film which kicks off by someone breaking into their house and she can't let him out of his sight so she has yeah. to come along with him as he delves back into a very dark past that even she doesn't know a lot about. Oh, Puts wow. a lot of strain on them both. She has a few really strong scenes. and There's, some, a, there's a lot of um, distress yeah. and difficult decisions. And the, you know, the whole film's about trust. And throughout, mm-hmm. she's, she's trying not to show that she doesn't trust him, but she actively has to tell him that she doesn't trust him. So yeah. she's constantly playing like two versions of herself ones that she doesn't want to be playing but she has to for his benefit yeah tough love embodied i suppose and it is a tough 24 hours for both of them 
where the normal rules of trust and honesty don't really apply. Mm-hmm. It, yeah, I, it's interesting from that point of view. And Lucas Hedges, I, you, you know how I feel about him. He, I think he's yes. very good. The, the more sensitive scenes of his in this film are, are very impressive. Well, this one actually was really well rated. Um, was it? It's, yeah, it's um, 82% fresh mm. on yeah. uh, Rotten Tomatoes, uh, and it's got a 70% audience score. So it didn't do quite oh, as well with the audience, but it was very critically mm. acclaimed, because 82 is really a very good score, I think. I think probably less people saw it, but the ones who did watched it because they knew they'd like it. Yeah, just a few things that people have said. Like, um, One mm. guy who works for The Times in the UK has said... Um, that Julie Roberts plays Ben's mother with sadness, desperation, and inner steel. She's the mm. primary reason to see this film. I'd say that okay. goes to show for a lot of her films, though. Absolutely, yeah. You go to see the film because she's in it, and then somebody else has put, um, the astonishing chemistry makes you wonder how long Julie Roberts had secretly been Lucas Hedges' mother without telling anyone. <laughs> they look they look quite similar, too. <laughs> Another person says that Roberts delivers one of the finest performances of her career. Oh, okay. um, in this train of emotional power. Mm. Um, yeah. So she's, you know, she's got good reviews for this. I don't mm. know, I can't think of a time where she's kind of got bad reviews. Been bad, though. yeah, no. Um, no. And that pretty much sums us up, doesn't it? That, that's... I mean, it's a brief career. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, yeah, I think it's fair to say that she's underrated, I think. Um, people tend to think of her as one thing, but there's so much yeah. more. Yeah. Um, and if you actually look at her career, there's some real gems in there. Mm. A lot of the recent stuff now, she's a little less on the radar than she, she used to be. Yeah. doesn't mean that she's not still producing really strong performances. And it, the performances are a very different type. Yeah, she's really just good in everything she's in, mm. I think. Yeah. I, I wouldn't ever not go to see a film because she was in it. I think she would definitely be a draw for me. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're going to jump right into the last section now. Um, have we got any news for this <laughs> Not one, for this particularly the, the one story that came out yesterday, which I thought was extremely interesting? Um, Ryan Gosling is going to be in Universal's The Wolfman. Are they, is this part of the dark cinematic universe? Thing I am they not promised? entirely sure because they very much backed off that, didn't they, when yeah. um, Tom Cruise's The Mummy came out. Now, I'm not sure if they're going for like an individual approach now because The Invisible Man came out recently with Elizabeth Moss. That's true. Um, yeah. I think so what they're doing is maybe using the characters, but they're just their own individual takes. Um, mm, yeah. And maybe if there's something they can do later on, maybe they will. Mm. But I think they're very much keeping them isolated as their own thing. Um, but Ryan Gosling as the Wolfman, I can't imagine that at all. Depends. I think it completely depends on the angle they go with. Yeah. But I think this approach is probably going to be even more effective. Um, so, yes, yeah, so that, that's the news. Um, and to recommend a film this week, Matt, what yeah. are you recommending <sighs> I this week? I have decided. Uh, I'm torn between three. I mean, I would uh, I would honestly recommend so many of the films we've said today. Um, Gun to your head. Fact, right now, you've got to answer. Gun to your head. They'll have shot you by now, Matt. <laughs> Not if I'm in the Pelican Brief. <laughs> um, True. <laughs> <laughs> um, I would recommend Ben is back. I would recommend Pretty Woman to anybody, but I think most people have already seen it. So I'm going to recommend August Osage County because I don't think enough people saw it. Mm-hmm. And if you're not a big fan of Julia Roberts, there's also a lot of other actors here to get behind. Like if you like Ewan McGregor and Meryl Streep and mm-hmm. um, Juliette Lewis or Abigail Breslin, 
um, Chris Cooper, Sam Shepard, all of these people are in there, then this is absolutely the right film to watch. And yeah, you believe that this is a dysfunctional family and you're sort of a fly on the wall on this in this household. I think it's I just think it's really well done. Okay. I am moving completely away. I thought you might. <laughs> Julie Roberts. In fact, I'm not even sure if she was alive when this came out. No, she wasn't. Um, I had a lovely week of re-watching last week. Um, mm. Absolutely thoroughly enjoyed myself. Um, and I watched Pollyanna uh, from 1960, mm-hmm. the Disney film. Um, yeah. It's the 60th anniversary and I just, oh, I adore this film. Um, this is my sick film. I don't know if other people have a sick film. If they're ill... <laughs> Um, I just watched Supermarket this, Sweep. This is this is my film I put on if I'm not feeling well, um, mm. because it just instantly makes me feel better. And it's got Hayley Mills in it, who uh, this kind of was her breakout role, really. She mm. won um, the Golden Globe that year for Most Promising Newcomer um, for this. Oh, right. And she won the Juvenile Award at the Oscars, which was still an award then. I think it might yeah. have been the last one to be handed out, actually. Yeah. Um, so this... You know, she she just, I think, as she does in the film, she blew everyone away. Mm-hmm. She was this, like, just breath of fresh air. Right. She's not done loads, but this pretty much, this and the parent trap made her career. She had a really great run at Disney um, in the early 60s. Um, mm. But this, this film is basically, it's about a little girl who um, is an, an orphan and she comes mm. to live with her aunt who is extremely wealthy. Um, mm-hmm. She's called um, Polly Harrington and she lives in a town named after their family. Right. Uh, so um, it's, you know, she basically runs the town. She's played mm-hmm. by Jane Wyman, who's brilliant in this film. Mm. Um, yeah. And it's full of old... Um, Hollywood character actors. You've got um, Richard Egan's in this, Carl Molden's there. You've got Nancy Olsen, Adolf Menju, Agnes Moorhead. There's just, it's full of people. If you watch old movies, you'll recognize the cast. Mm. Um, it's fantastic, this film. It's lovely. Um, her philosophy on life, even though she's just a child, um, is gorgeous. It's If you had to live your life a certain way, uh, or try and balance it out in some way it would be like this i, I think for me I, mm. I try very hard to have more of a pollyanna outlook on life um <laughs> this is just it's just fantastic yeah. it's on um disney plus so um mm-hmm. if you have disney plus you can go and watch it right now which i definitely Good. recommend it's a great <laughs> sunday afternoon movie or if you're sick <laughs> or if you're sick yeah <laughs> you're sick. Uh, like me um so I definitely recommend watching that one. Pollyanna from 1960. Yeah. So that's it. Uh, yeah. Where can they find us, Matt? <laughs> I was just waiting for you to say that. Um, <laughs> well, you can find us on our website, www.cinechat.co.uk forward slash podcast or on pretty much any social media platform under the sun. Just search <laughs> Cinechat Podcast, Cinechat Pod or Cinechat underscore official. Alternatively, you can email us at podcast at cinechat.co.uk we should start pre-recording this bit and then just <laughs> <laughs> stick it just in slip it in we could do it like as a little little jingle like a little advert thing stick it in <laughs> um next episode a little bit different 
So because a lot has been happening in the world and a lot of our um, expected schedule is kind of all on hold, we're going to have <laughs> yep. a little bit of an episode, call it a lockdown special or a lessons from lockdown, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to be announcing what's coming up on the podcast. We're going to be looking again a little bit at what's going on in the world of cinema right now. What does the future look like for things like the Oscars and, you know, going to the cinema in general? Yeah, but I think we've got some really exciting plans coming up. Oh, yeah, absolutely. If you're interested to find out what's coming up. Check that one um, out. Yeah. Okay, well, it's bye from me. Also, bye from me. Bye from me.